This is the PBF podcast number eight, and this is Romeo One Oscar coming at you. Doing another news breakdown. Uh, a lot of people gave uh, some positive feedback to me, stating that they enjoyed what I had put out yesterday. So I've gone ahead and sat down, selected some stories for you guys, maybe some things that uh, you might have missed, some things that uh, I didn't necessarily include yesterday. But overall, uh, just give you guys uh, another peek into what's going on in the news. Maybe some things you didn't see uh, if you're still messing around with what we like to call the corporate-controlled mainstream media. So the first article comes from Breitbart Tech. Facebook introducing a virility circuit breaker to prevent spread of viral content. I mean, just by the headline there, I'm already like, what? So let's read on here into the article itself. According to a recent report from the Interface newsletter by Verge reporter Casey Newton, Facebook is piloting a new program that will monitor viral posts that gain millions of views to ensure they don't violate community standards. So this is just, it's so troubling even reading the, the introduction here. They are saying that Facebook now will determine if there's a problem with an article being spread. Of course, this is going to be disseminated out under the auspices that they're just protecting you from misinformation. But what really is misinformation at the end of the day? People have different opinions, so it becomes subjective, totally subjective. And I don't know if any of you saw the report that I think it was either June, July from uh, Project Veritas, did an excellent report digging into uh, some people that worked with Facebook. These individuals were very, very biased. They were saying things too as well of how they were banning people just for wearing something that was like make America great again or things that were positive in favor of the of President Trump. These are the people who are going to decide that your viral post potentially violates their standards. See, the standards always shift. And here we're seeing it again. Now it's shifting because, oof, that's just spreading too much. How can we let that happen? So, of course, here, I'm going to read a little bit more from Newton's article. Still, tech platforms probably have more tools to manage the spread of misinformation than they're using today. In its report, Fighting Coronavirus Misinformation and Disinformation, the Center for American Progress, yeah, look that up, Center for American Progress. Again, it's regressives going under the moniker of progress. Lays out a trio of suggestions for doing just that. They are virility circuit breakers, platforms should detect, label, suspend algorithmic amplification and prioritize rapid review and fact-checking of trending coronavirus content that displays reliable misinformation markers, which can be drawn from the existing body of coronavirus misinformation. Again, coronavirus. What they are looking for is a very unique perspective. If you go on Instagram right now and you were to look up just do a search. Immediately, you've got WHO and CDC. It's just plastered in front of your face. 
If you have anything you post on there about it, it takes you to these websites so you can find out what's the proper information. The WHO, the organization which has repeatedly spread poor information, everything from saying that it was not that severe, they changed their story on that. Again, you know, I'm not necessarily going to argue with that. But the real troubling um, fact here is that is the funding that it has received from China and the closeness of the Marxist leader, the Ethiopian Marxist leader of the World Health Organization and China. You've got a lot of money coming from the Gates Foundation and you've got there was a significant amount of money coming from the United States, and I do believe the last time I checked, we were cutting off the money to that. However, we're supposed to be subservient to this organization, which has continually misled and spread false information. But that's going to be the information that we're going to be told if we're speaking out against is mis- and disinformation. Scan and suggest features. Platforms should develop privacy-sensitive features to scan draft posts. So as you're typing something, detect drafts discussing the coronavirus and suggest quality information to users to provide them cues about being thoughtful or aware of trending misdisinformation prior to publication. I'm going to read that again. Listen closely. Platforms should develop privacy-sensitive features to scan draft posts, detect drafts discussing the coronavirus, and suggest quality information to users or provide them cues about <laughs> – I laugh every time. This is, this is Big Brother just popping right in there. Subject matter context editions. Social media platforms should embed quality information – and relevant fact checks about posts on coronavirus topics, providing in-post context by default can help equip users with information they need to interpret the post content for themselves. So they don't agree with your perspective. They're going to give you a better perspective. They're going to detect if you have wrong think, and they're going to fix your wrong think for you. Your cartel overlords of YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they're going to detect when you're typing the wrong things. Now, here's something interesting, too, in this article. New York Times, it was reported that Facebook is also working on an app, AP, I guess it's app, they just spelled it wrong here, so I wasn't sure if it was Associated Press. Again, it was reported that Facebook is also working on an app political advertising kill switch to be activated if President Trump questions the legitimacy of the presidential election results in November. So the guy that they told us wasn't going to win the election and wouldn't accept the results in the last election, the person that he defeated in the election has done nothing but nonstop question everything is okay. You got that? She's on the right side. In a staff meeting later that week, Mr. Zuckerberg told employees that if political figures or commentators, oh, okay, tried declaring victory in an election early, Facebook would consider adding a label to their post, explaining that the results were not final. I don't know if you remember the last election, too. It took forever, even though the election was already determined, who was going to say it, but 
hey, not until those people call it will Facebook say it's okay, even if it's clearly a victory. Facebook would consider adding a label to their post. I already said that. Okay. Of Mr. Trump, Mr. Buck Zuckerberg said the company was in unprecedented territory with the president saying some of the things that he's saying that I find quite troubling. Since then, executives have discussed the kill switch for political advertising, according to two employees, which would turn off political ads after November 3rd if the election's outcome was not immediately clear, or if Mr. Trump disputed, there we go, or if Mr. Trump disputed the results. So, <laughs> only Mr. Trump. If Mr. Biden questions it or anybody on, well, obviously it's not going to be Biden. It's going to be somebody feeding him what to say. <sighs> This is crazy stuff, friends. But this is what we have gotten ourselves into. And it's only getting worse. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've, I've said this, but it, I keep saying it's going to get worse and it gets worse. And it will continue to get worse. These are It's a media cartel with a lot of money. Now, here was something that I stumbled upon. I have never heard of this magazine before. Maybe some of you in the audience have. It's a magazine called Mel Magazine, and this is how it uh, positions itself. There's no playbook for how to be a guy, so at Mel, we're trying to figure out how to live without one. A lifestyle and culture magazine, we cover sex, relationships, health, money, work, culture from a male point of view. This is the fun part. Even though we're not all male and aren't entirely sure what male should mean anymore, even though we're not all male, and aren't entirely sure what male should mean anymore. And I'm sure all of you can recognize uh, where that's leading. I mean, toxic masculinity. Ah, the worst stuff out there, right? Let's Gillette commercials. And the funny thing is that this was founded in 2015 in L.A. by the Dollar Shave Club. So I guess, uh, I guess it wasn't an anomaly what... Uh, Gillette did with that toxic masculinity. So there's an article that they put out, and it's called, The Kids Are Alt-Right When Your Star Pupil Gets Red-Pilled. Teachers know the warning signs when students are radicalized by online hate movements. They just don't know how to stop it, or if it's a power struggle they can ever win. And, all right, I'm just going to read from this, and... You can just take some highlights from this. Again, this is Mel Magazine. Um, the kids are alt-right. The prospects of red-pilling, in which a person becomes radicalized by far-right by far spaces online, has attracted a lot of media attention in the Trump era. Which, what's so funny, too, is if anybody has watched The Matrix... The red pill, blue pill type thing. So basically what they're saying is you should remain blue pilled. Accept everything that is being fed to you. Don't question it. If you become red pilled, you are radicalized. You're a misogynistic incel. You know, all that stuff. That's that's basically what they're saying. So in the article it says, generally though, the focus tends to be on an adult individual who has been radicalized again, because we don't know what male means. So they must've been radicalized or the impact on their partners or parents. 
There's been less attention paid to the unique position of teachers who find themselves faced with radicalizing students. Um, that's a really weird way to write that. So they're faced with radicalizing students. Yeah, the teachers do radicalize students because they're a far left agenda, which Lucky and I covered in uh, episode five. Even though they're often the first witnesses of the early warning signs of red pilling among a younger co cohort. <laughs> and it's just getting worse and worse. One of these teachers says, Kira Lynn Furderber? Ah, <sighs> man. Um, it's, it's, it's insane, and it only gets more insane here, so. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit more. Often, it's hard for teachers to tell whether a student is being truly red-pilled in the sense that they're being radicalized online, or whether they're parroting, parroting excuse me, the views that they've grown up with in their conservative households. <laughs> Tessa, a 29-year-old in the Midwest who teaches 14 to 18-year-olds at a private school for students with learning impairments, says that many of her students simply take on the talking points and politics of their conservative parents. This can make them especially ripe targets for full-blown radicalization and infatuation with far-right figures. Now, this is where it gets both scary, well, it's hilarious and it's scary, because listen to what they say are far-right. A few started listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, which led them to reading Jordan Peterson's books, she says. I think that Joe Rogan's ideology is the biggest threat to critical thinking in this last decade. Wow. A few started listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, which led to them reading Jordan Peterson's book, she says. I think that Joe Rogan's ideology is the biggest threat to critical thinking in the last decade. That's just insane. Number one, Joe Rogan supported Bernie Sanders. Joe Rogan is for universal basic income. He's for Medicare for all. This is the biggest threat. Joe Rogan has people on his podcast. I mean, look, I used to watch a lot of Joe Rogan. I just have a hard time watching him now simply because oftentimes I, I just I feel like it's kind of in circles with sort of the things with him, Jamie, and things like that. But I will hand to him. Joe Rogan at least has figures on the show which represent many different perspectives. This is something that not many other people have out there. This is what they're saying is a threat. If you have any question about how really horrible the teaching establishment is, these are people who think that Joe Rogan is the biggest threat to critical thinking in the last decade. They also think that Jordan Peterson's book is a threat. It, it's really crazy. So... You know, Jordan Peterson tells kids to make their bed. He's telling them to read books. He's telling them to take responsibility for their lives. There's many different things I don't agree with Peterson on, but there's many things I do that's responsibility. There are a lot of kids out there these days who have no father figure. You know, they're just looking for some guidance, and these guys are helping out. They're helping them become productive members of society. And these teachers are telling us that this is the biggest threat. Okay. Just wait. It gets, it gets uh, a little bit better. <laughs> there are some obvious warning signs that a student is being red-pilled, though. Like when they have a sudden noticeable rightward shift in their views. 
um, when they specifically mention figures like Ben Shapiro and Peterson, who Olivia says her student loved. <laughs> and when they use language <laughs> that makes the online influences obvious, like Chad and Cuck. Man, this is just, this is insane. Again, the magazine that's teaching you how to be a man, but isn't sure what a man's about is writing this. There's always been boys who ask, don't girls just lie about rape though? And we do want to take those questions seriously. Fur Derber says, what a name. But increasingly, they're using language that sounds straight from Reddit. It, it sounds straight from Reddit. Reddit is a left-wing cesspool. So, again, these teachers who consider Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, and Ben Shapiro far-right consider Reddit on the right. More perspective on the people who are teaching our children these days. All right. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm flummoxed and laughing at the same time. And they aren't satisfied with an answer or a statistic I can cite. Well, maybe you're just repeating talking points, you NPC. Non-player character teachers, <laughs> they don't like to be questioned. They don't like to be questioned by kids who might have read Jordan Peterson's book or might have listened to Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> they're extremely fixated on the <laughs> idea of false accusations. Wow. When teachers start noticing the warning signs of radicalization, difficult questions arise. Where is the line between shutting down these arguments and allowing kids to explore new ideas? And when is the right time to intervene? <laughs> I never want to convert someone to being liberal because you shouldn't be converting anybody political idea ideology. Exactly. You should let them listen to the points. You should let them listen to people of all perspectives. Many times I've heard people complaining about, I've got to read the Communist Manifesto. You should read the Communist Manifesto. You should know what's influencing people. And a book you should read is Solowinsky's Rules for Radicals. That was something that Obama and Hillary Clinton were both big into. You should read the opposing point of view because then you know how to argue against it. These people aren't about teaching you logic. They aren't about teaching you the proper discourse. Uh, I think we've heard enough of that. So, yeah, the magazine for men that doesn't know how men should be men seems like kind of a joke. But it's going to be something I'm going to bookmark because I feel like there's some good source material here I can keep coming back to. All right. Now... This is a story comes out of St. Pete, St. Petersburg, Florida. St. Pete, Pete protester caught with Molotov cocktail loaded gun, police said. Abraham Karashi has been charged with terrorist activity and inciting a riot following a June protest. A St. Petersburg protester has been charged with terrorist activity after police discovered a Molotov cocktail in his car that was parked outside of police headquarters. Police arrested 26-year-old Abraham Karishi for inciting a riot and resisting arrest with violence during a June 3rd protest outside of police headquarters. The arrest was reported on the following day as Chief Anthony Holloway described how 
Hirashi threw a round of ammunition at the direction of officers during the protest. Officers soon realized Hirashi was carrying a loaded firearm without a permit. Days later, investigators discovered Hirashi parked his car as close to police headquarters due to the barricades on the night of the arrest. A report states Hirashi called his uncle from jail and directed him to tow his vehicle to Pinellas Park. Police later discovered a Molotov cocktail inside the car. And, yeah. I know I know we've got the, uh, the people that hate the police and stuff like that follow the page. There probably some of them are listening to this, but this is the stuff going on. So apparently there were 30 to 40 people at this protest. Um... According to court documents, Karashi outside one video according to court documents shows Karashi outside the Pete police department with his rifle captioned "Stay home." Huh. Very interesting. Another allegedly shows Karashi holding a firearm, passing by the old St. Pete police building with the caption, "Thinking about." Wow. A third video shows Karashi driving by the new St. Pete pier with the caption, "Pigs guarding the pier." I ran. A, I ran a few nights ago. The video allegedly then shows Karashi panning the camera to a Molotov cocktail and a rifle. <laughs> wow. And so this gets a little bit better. So just this week, police say they arrested Karashi's roommate for setting off a Molotov cocktail in a St. Pete parking lot. Sean Francis Ziegenbein. Wow. Um, that's a Irish-German name if I've ever heard one is charged with making or discharging a destructive device. So seems like a fun place to hang out. I think the point here, though, is that a lot of people are like, oh, they're not arresting these people. No, they are. It's just not making national news because it goes against the narrative that the controlled media and the allies of the Democratic Party who are in the media don't want you to hear. You know, um, it's not as if... It's not as if these people want these people arrested. They are seeking an overthrow of the government. Many of these people at CNN, MSNBC, across the board, these people do not want us to live in the country we live in. They support these movements. They support riots. All right, on to another arrest. Portland BLM thug who kicked innocent man in the face arrested charged with three felonies. Black Lives Matter writer who was caught on camera kicking a truck driver in the face in a vicious, unprovoked attack last week in Portland has been arrested on multiple felony charges. And this is something that uh, Nat G and I talked about in our podcast the other day. Marquise Lee Love turned himself in Friday morning after detectives in the Multnomah, Multnomah, I don't know, sorry, Portland people, County District Attorney's Office coordinated with his attorney, Fox 12 reported. Black Lives Matter agitator, insurgent, was booked into the Multnomah County Jail on charges of second-degree assault, coercion, and riot, according to Portland police. His bail was set $260,000. So we know kind of, you know, the background, um, the guy he kicked was trying to defend a transgender who Blam Tifa was robbing. <laughs> and uh, when he was trying to defend, they attacked him. He got into his vehicle. He wrecked the vehicle. I still haven't seen exactly how the vehicle wrecked. They got him from the vehicle. They beat him. They tackled his girlfriend. 
Tammy Martin. And uh, let's see, the attack left Hayner with head, head wounds, three broken ribs, and two black eyes. And according to KATU, Katu, doctors were concerned he could have long-term vision damage. And what, what's, what's funny, too, is I don't know how people know this. We've posted some of this stuff up to uh, Telegram, but... Um, the suspect fled the scene after the assault. He later took to social media in an effort to rationalize behavior and to beg for bail funds. And th this is what was funny. He posted a Snapchat. Might go to jail for murder tonight for a racist when all I did was fight him. Look it up on Twitter. Put money on my books and come see me. So running up behind a guy and punching him in the face is fighting, according to these people. Again, we said the other day, you just you, you can't stop in these situations unless you've got a large enough group. The mob will harm you. So, anyway, yeah. Glad to see that guy's off the street. All right. And the last one, since we have a high uh, foreign military audience here. Shocking betrayal. Former Green Beret charged with spying for Russia over 15 years. Alleged crimes, a shocking betrayal by a former army officer. Uh, officers. Okay. Day after a major China espionage case. Yeah, I don't know. People heard about that guy in Hawaii was arrested. Uh, a former Army Special Forces officer was charged Friday with conspiring with Russian intelligence officials to leak U.S. military secrets over a 15-year period that began under President Bill Clinton and ended under President Barack Obama. It's crazy. It's so long. But... And my fear, too, when, when I see stuff like this is, I mean, I'm glad that he was caught, but who knows what information he gave away, right? And how many more people potentially are there out there? Because you know they're always trying to get people, whether it's China, whether it's Russia. And I'm sure there's other places, too, you know? <sighs> All right. So from 96 to 2001, during that time, Devon's periodically visited Russia and met with Russian intelligence agents, said the DOJ. Debens reportedly received a code name from the Russian government and even signed a statement attesting that he wanted to serve Russia. It's crazy. Can you imagine? And then especially somebody that's a Green Beret. The announcement came just days... Oh, okay, here's the other one. Just days after DOJ announced the arrest of a former CIA officer, Alexander Yuk-Ching... Ma in Hawaii on charges of spying for China. Two espionage arrests in a week. Uh, let's see. So let's let's talk more about this one specifically. So Devons violated his oath as an army officer, betrayed the special forces, and endangered our country's national security by revealing classified information to Russian intelligence officers, providing details on his unit and identifying special forces team members for Russian intelligence to try to recruit as a spy. Man, what a turd. Our country put its highest trust in this defendant, and he took that trust and weaponized it against the United States. Man, crazy. So, he's accused of providing intelligence that he obtained as a member of the Army, including information about his chemical and special forces unit. After leaving in 2008, 
Devon has disclosed to Russian intelligence agents classified information about his previous activities while deployed with Russian special forces, or with, excuse me, while deployed with special forces. With names, details about his former team members so that Moscow could evaluate whether to approach the team members as if they would cooperate with Russian intelligence. And what I understand too is this guy was over in Georgia and some other places, Georgia, the country, not, not the state, there's a country south of Russia called Georgia. But this is pretty crazy stuff, my friends. Uh, sorry to leave it on that low note, but hopefully, hopefully they got more people on their sites if this guy did manage to recruit anybody. Anyway, that is my Saturday recap of news for all of you. This is Romeo One Oscar, and I am out of here.